Uh, hi everyone, it's so great to see all of you here at Cross Cultures. Um, you know, I'm constantly amazed at how technology works nowadays. You know, as we use Zoom, it is great to be able to see all your faces, even though we are in different places. I'm sure some of you will agree with me. If I haven't met you before, my name is Isabel and I'll be guiding us through tonight's program. Instead of introducing myself by telling you what I study though, I'm gonna start a new tradition and tell you where and tell you where I come from. So I hail from the sunny island of Singapore. If you know where Malaysia is, it's a little bit below Malaysia, and a little bit above Indonesia. In Singapore, it, uh, we always have a nice summery temperature of about 30 degrees Celsius all year round. We're famous for our food, including chicken rice and chili crab, although someone might will fight with me over whose country um, actually created these dishes. And our country's mascot, the Malayan, uh, which is half mermaid, half lion. When we are allowed to travel again, uh, do hit me up, uh, you know, contact me. If you ever want to visit my country, and I'll let you in on some lovely landmarks to visit. So as I was preparing for tonight, I looked out of the window and noticed that you know, there was a huge storm going on outside. You know, in some ways, this change, you know, in the wind and the rain feels like the changes in our COVID-19, sorry, in our COVID-19 restrictions, sudden and unwanted. At the same time, I felt safe indoors uh, in my bedroom. Um, and I think I think in my personal reflection that in this time of change and struggle, God can you know be this shelter for us, you know, for those who believe in Him. In fact, it is this God that we will hear and learn more about tonight at Cross Cultures. If this is your first time joining us at Christian Union, I want to warmly welcome you as you join us tonight. If you are here exploring Christianity or don't consider yourself a Christian, I would like to invite you to consider the issues being presented to you tonight and to ask any questions that you might have. Let me pray for us. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to meet together over Zoom. You know, although the world might seem chaotic at this moment, I pray that you will help us to focus our thoughts on you as we listen to your word through the Bible. Please help us to understand your word as Pete and Candice speaks to us from the book of Malachi. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The main thing motivates me is to know that the people around me, even if they know the Word of God but they don't know the Lord, are missing out on that eternal life. Like People around the world, there's so many people who they've heard, oh, it's just a book or whatever. But really, it's more than that. It's this relationship that without it, you've got nothing in life. Like, good. Um, evangelism in this time is super hard, like being online and so on. But um, I've been doing uh, a movement um, on TikTok, so just spreading the gospel um, between like 15 seconds and a minute videos. Um, there's a big movement, it's uh, really grown. Um, a lot of people come to know Christ with this movement, so fantastic. Um, so you're just giving little videos um, on encouragement, like Bible verses, or just mini sermons, just helping people out. From 15 seconds, super short videos to like a minute, and some people do sketches or prayers, um, they go, hey, wait a minute, let me pray for you. Or that times they record a landscape and you put a Bible verse with it, or you, um, someone asks a question, so you reply to it with a video. Yeah, recorded some random things. I look completely stupid in half of them, but it's okay. It's still spreading that gospel in a way. Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, negative, like, you get a bit of, you know, messages going, oh, why are you spreading this, da, da, da. Which you get that, and that's in everyday life. You always always have that battle kind of thing. There's a lot of people coming to me with questions. Um, I know this uh, 
15-year-old texted me the other day out of the blue and he's like, um, hey, Brandon, like, can you tell me more about this, you know, gospel thing? Like, um, we had a good chat. Um, he's now come to know the Lord. Um, such a really good blessing, such a good Amazing. Thing. The people who are seeing it, um, it's so good, like, if they see someone else's videos, my videos, whoever they see and they really get a message and they come to know the Lord, it's such a blessing. Like, you know, yeah. See yeah. people come to the Lord through this platform. It's so good because it's so hard to spread it when you're not in person. Um, yeah. And even like friends like are seeing it and they're like, wow, we didn't know your faith was this strong. Like, you know, can we have a chat? And it's just been, yeah, it's such a good thing at the moment. First of all, I would, you know, ask the Lord for strength. Um, it, it's such a, a courageous thing. It's such a hard thing to approach anyone to talk about the gospel, let alone someone who you really know. Um, and hey, you may have like, like people have told me, please just don't mention that again. And that's a really hard thing. You've been shut down. But some people go, hey, yeah, can I hear about this? I think um, just, yeah, have courage. Ask the Lord for strength and the words to say. Um, yeah, just speak the truth, speak the gospel one. Yeah, go from there. So, hi, I'm Zoe. Um, I was personally really encouraged by that video. Um, I'd like to welcome you all again to Cross Cultures as I lead us together in praying to God. Um, I would like you to reflect on the work that he's doing, not only in our club, but across the world, and particularly for our friends in Kenya, who also have a similar university Christian club. So let's bow our heads and pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for being the God whom we can approach in prayer because of the good news of Jesus. We know that our inclination is to turn away from you and go our own ways. We are sorry for this. We can see much of our unfaithfulness in the nation of Israel, as we will see tonight in Malachi. And yet, you are always faithful. We praise you, Lord, for your everlasting faithfulness. As the Israelites groaned, desperate for you to bring them back to comfort and an easy life in Egypt, you bless them from afar, even if they did not know it. We see this here now as well, as we long to go back to a normal life, a life we are so attached to, one that's driven by pleasure and instant gratification in the most livable city in the world. You are certainly sovereign over our situation. Please, Lord, would you help us to look back and see the blessing of learning patience, humility and steadfastness um, that you have poured over us and help us to be patient, humble and steadfast as you are. Jesus was the most faithful, the one who rose again, bringing hope in new life. So we pray in gratitude for the work of the Son. Please, God, make us more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you have driven us more to praying for one another in this time. May the friendships that you have given us in our ABCs multiply and bring fruits pleasing to you, that we might grow to serve one another as you have for us on the cross. As we said earlier, we pray specifically for students in Kenya tonight. Thank you for the app made for international students 
that it has been help, helping them each access prayer news, online Bible studies and Bible reading plans from home. Thank you, you a faithful God, that it has been particularly helpful as they have been a part just as we are now and has been the needed support whilst being at home due to COVID. We hope you will continue to help them to continue connecting and caring for one another in this time. Please, Lord, open our hearts and our minds to entrust all our time to you, to focus on you as we reflect on today's word and as we live in light of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hi everyone, my name is Candice. Before we get into our Bible reading today, we're going to have kind of an English lesson. So whether your first language is English or not, sometimes when we read the Bible, I don't know about you, I often come across words and I'm not too sure what they mean. And sometimes I just, you know, plough along and try and figure it out. But it's often good to take a moment to look up the word, understand it, and you'll get more out of the passage. So I'm going to do that for some of the tricky words in our passage in Malachi tonight. And hopefully a slideshow will be shared with you now. That's great. So words you need to know. Um, if we have the next slide. Uh, the first one to talk about is covenant. Um, this comes up quite a lot in the Bible. Uh, but a covenant is like a binding contract, an agreement between two parties that binds them together. Uh, so it joins and it uh, has obligations of a particular way of relating to each other. Um, so it comes from the word like feta, like a chain that ties together or a bond um, obligation uh, so that's covenant that's our first word um, second word actually not in the passage um, but quite an important um, concept which relates to a few of the other words through our passage and that's the idea of holiness which is the idea of being set apart and special um, it's associated with god set apart for him um, and god is holy uh, in being other, being really different from us and set apart from everything evil, everything unclean, uh, moral purity, goodness, those kinds of things. So this idea of special set apart is important to our passage. And the next one uh, is profane, which is a bad way of treating something that's holy. Uh, so to disrespect it, um, treat something really significant as if it doesn't matter. And the next one, uh, not, not desiccated coconut or desecrated coconut, as Dan Kong would tell you, but uh, desecrate means to make something unclean, to pollute it, um, to spoil it. Um, if it's holy, it's to make it unholy. Um, and often it's by bringing in something that's associated with evil and death or bad into contact with something that's supposed to be set apart for God. Um, so desecrate uh, is a really... Um, bad thing. Uh, and the last one, uh, sanctuary, is literally a holy thing. So if you remember that idea of being set apart, special, um, it's a little unclear in our passage, which you'll see in a moment. The word sanctuary is there. Could mean holy place, like the temple. Could mean holy people um, who God made his covenant with. Um, so you might like to ponder um, just what the holy thing is in our passage as we get to it. Hello, um, I'm Ian. Today we're going to be reading the Bible for you guys. We're going to be reading from Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. So I encourage you guys to open up your Bibles and read along. Um, for those who don't have a Bible, do not fret. 
there's a link in the chat that would um, link you to a Bible. Cool. So I'll be starting from Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 to 16. Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Is not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard. Do not be unfaithful. Uh, as we come tonight to the next part of Malachi and what is a very serious and for some of us perhaps quite a sensitive uh, part of God's word. So in a moment, I'm going to ask for God's help again as we hear it, that we might hear him clearly. Um, but a couple of uh, tips as we begin. We won't be going into breakouts this time. Often we do in the middle of the talk and that helps to break us up and helps us concentrate. Uh, so this time I want to I want to be on your side uh, and see if we can help you concentrate as well. A couple of ways. I want to encourage you to keep using the chat. Um, if something stands out in what we've said or in the passage itself, feel free to put it into the chat. In a moment, an outline for the talk will be popped into the chat as well. And if you find that helpful, you might want to open that along with that part of God's word. But most of all, do keep your Bibles open. Uh, note your questions for the Q&A later, but keep your Bibles open as we look at this um, wonderful part, though serious part uh, of God's word. Let me pray for us as we begin. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I echo uh, Zoe's wonderful prayer for us. Um, we pray, our Heavenly Father, that as we read this passage now, we would be struck where necessary uh, by our unfaithfulness. We would be struck, we pray, by your faithfulness to us in the Lord Jesus, that we might rejoice in him, uh, lament in ourselves, and so come to you for forgiveness and stay with you for life. Uh, please, would you do this for us with this wonderful word of yours now? We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as we start, I want to read to you from an article uh, that I read just this week uh, called The Truth About Infidelity. It starts like this. Christina overheard it in the garage. Her husband sat in the car talking intently on his Bluetooth. 
And as the car speakers blared his conversation, it dawned on Christina that he was in the midst of breaking up with another woman. It was literally like the ground had been ripped out from under my feet, she said. As she very soon discovered that her husband of just 10 years had been seeing another woman for a full five of those. It was literally like the ground had been ripped out from under my feet, she said. Some of you will already very, very sadly know there are few things in life that are more heartbreaking and more soul-crushing than the betrayal of trust by someone you love. Whether it's a husband to a wife or a wife to a husband, whether a father to a child or someone else you trust, there are very few things in life that are more cutting more gutting, more hurtful than a deliberate breaking of faith in a relationship of trust. As we come to Malachi today again together, that's what we come to. A deliberate breaking of faith, not, not of one, but two relationships, both built on trust. And as we do, we're going to hear God agree with how awful unfaithfulness is And we're going to hear God call us to a better and more beautiful way. So we're going to look at it together now. And as you do, do open your Bibles, do have it there in front of you. And as we begin, I wonder, did you notice that the issue in this passage really is unfaithfulness? That's the theme of the verses. See, I wonder when you heard Ian read it to you, did you hear it repeated again and again and again? Uh, There in verse 10, unfaithful. Verse 11, unfaithful. Verse 14, unfaithful. Verse 15, unfaithful. Verse 16, unfaithful. And that's not to mention those words like covenant that Candace taught us or or the oneness words used throughout that, that the ideas of faithfulness are also built into. You see, Malachi wants us to see that in these seven verses, it's all about unfaithfulness. And to who? Well, first to God and then to each other, especially in marriage. And you see it begin there from the very first verse, you see it, as Malachi introduces two related relationships and then declares both those relationships broken. Let me show you what I mean. There in chapter 2, verse 10, do we not all have one father? Did not one God create us. You see, right from the start, Malachi introduces us to two special relationships. The first is between God's people and God. After all, that's who God is the one father of. Not all people, but God's people. Those he loved and chose, we saw two weeks ago, those he created into a nation. The second relationship is between God's people themselves. They're the the we and the us of those verses. And see, Malachi says, see those two relationships? Why are we unfaithful to those? Why do we profane the covenant with our ancestors? That, That is the covenant we have with God. 
Why do we profane it by being unfaithful to one another? You see, perhaps at this point we think, well, how? As I'm sure at this point they thought, how? How did they profane? How did they break? What well, Malachi goes on to prove it, to prove the breaking of the first. He says, Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary of the Lord he loves. How? Well, by marrying women who worship a foreign god. Now, let's be clear at this point. God has no problem with the foreign women or foreign men or foreign boys or foreign girls. In fact, one of the really amazing things about the gospel of Jesus, one of the repeated claims throughout the Bible is that God is for all nations, all peoples. After all, do you remember how the Bible story ends? Verse 9, after this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Remember, nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And so, of course, don't think for a moment that God is racist. He is not racist. And don't think for a moment that this is merely racial. This is not racial. No, instead, this is religious. See, the problem, at least here, wasn't so much the foreign women. The problem was the foreign God. See, to take the women was to take their God and the true God said, no, no way. There is just one father, just one God, and God will not allow another into the lives of his people. It's a bit like the vow of marriage. Uh, Do you remember? Uh, Perhaps Zoe and Kira, if you're tuning in, some of the most recently married, do you remember? What do they say in the marriage vows? They say something like, will you, Liam, take this Zoe? Will you, Lachlan, take this Kira to be your treasured wife? And will you love and cherish and honour and protect? And will you, forsaking all others, be faithful to her? as long as you both shall live. And what does he say? I'm presuming Liam and Lachlan with a big smile on their face, big pump of the fist, they say, I will. And you see, that's what it's like with us and God. When we come to him in Christ, that's what he says to us. And it's what we must say to him. God will not allow another rival to come in, into the space that's his. He will not allow another God to get into bed with us. And yet, you see, that's what these had done. They had, if you like, gotten into bed with a rival to their God. And they had gotten into bed with a rival to their wife. Verse 14, Malachi goes on, you ask why? (laughs) It's because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. And how they've been unfaithful, the verses go on, it's clear. They have divorced the wife of their youth so they could marry another. They had broken faith with their wife whom God had joined them to. 
You see, again, God says no. Just as Jesus will say in Mark chapter 10, look it up later, Mark chapter 10, God says no. Marriage was made for life. One man, one woman for life. See, Malachi wants us to see in these verses as clear as we possibly can. God hates unfaithfulness, both to him and in marriage. And in the world that constantly tells us otherwise, in every dating app, in every dating show, and even in talk of God, we need to hear how much this matters, both to God, for marriage, and for worship. After all, did you see how much this matters to God there in verse 12? Do you see it? Verse 12. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob. Just like in that first really sad story we heard from Christina, where she said it was like the ground had been ripped open underneath my feet. God says, may that happen to you if you do this to me. May you forever be cut off from the people and place of God. Or verse 16, when it comes to marriage, you just see there, verse 16. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect. Do you see, do you hear how much it matters to him? Do you hear how much he hates it? The verse goes on, do you see it? So be on your guard, be careful, and do not be unfaithful. And what's more, Malachi says, don't be deceived either, that this won't affect your worship. After all, if you've been with us, we've been seeing week after week after week that the big idea of this book is that God is wonderfully worthy of worship. Is our worship worthy of him? And perhaps when we heard that word worship all those weeks ago, we thought to ourselves, well, they're the things we do on Sunday, you know, the Sunday churchy things. And yet did you notice in these verses that, that our worship of this God is so much more than that? It's an all of life thing, an all of us thing. In fact, so much so, do you see it there at the end of verse 12, end of verse 12, and again there, verse 13, that that if we fail at this, our faithfulness to God, our faithfulness to others, then all our worship is wasted. If we fail at this, our faithfulness to God, our faithfulness in marriage, he will not hear our cries. And I wonder as you hear this, do you feel its weight? That God's call to be faithful to him. God's call to be faithful in marriage. Do you feel how high God's bar is? Do you feel this challenge? Because we're supposed to, aren't we? And they were supposed to too. And maybe if you're really brave right now and you do feel it, you could post it in the chat. You faithful? As God demands you be, do you worship as God demands you should? And as you type, if you type, 
Uh, Candice, I wonder if you'll come back to the screen. I know you've been giving this some thought on our behalf. How have you felt the challenge of these particularly challenging words from Malachi? Yeah, it's, um, it's really weighty, isn't it? Um, I've been thinking about how countercultural this is as I feel the challenge uh, from this passage and what you've shown us so far. Um, when it comes to being faithful to God alone um, or valuing faithful marriage relationships, I think there's a lot in our culture that has the temptation that it gives us to think, is it really that important? Um, mm. Should you feel that weight? Um, you know, you can have your God and you can have the world's offerings too. I think that that message is out there. And I think I want to ask, is there an area where I'm tempted to think about God or about marriage and relationships? You know, does it really matter that much? Um, Cause our culture and whatever culture that is around the world, I think wants us to keep asking for wiggle room um, rather than this idea of total faithfulness. I think we always want the loophole or there it's not that it's not that bigger thing. Um, it wants us to think worship is just for some Sunday. It wants us um, perhaps sometimes there's even points in our life where we don't even realize that we've sectioned parts of life off from God. We just never thought to think about it from God's perspective. Um, and so I think a challenge from this passage was to make me think about uh, like, where does my loyalty lie? Um, do I love what God loves and do I hate what God hates? Yeah, yeah, that's it's brilliant. I love that wiggle room and loophole. I think it's exactly as the world thinks. And if I'm honest, that's how I'm tempted to think too. Um, concretely, um, um, what are some concrete ways, Candice, that you've thought about this? Um, one example that I've been talking with a few people just over the last probably year or so, it comes up from time to time, um, which relates to faithfulness in human relationships and faithfulness to God. Um, is where do I go for entertainment and what stories am I enjoying? Um, I think stories, we all, you know, we like stories, whether it's movies or books, but they make us excited about certain ideas or certain values. Um, and so I've had this whole bunch of conversations with people about um, what are the messages that we see in TV and movies? Um, not just um, if there are things I'd rather not see with my eyes, um, but how might, these things be impacting my heart's desire. Um, like, for example, do the stories that we enjoy value faithfulness? Um, or are they saying that um, directly or indirectly, saying sex is meaningless, it's harmless, it's fulfilling outside of marriage? Um, and so by the stories that I enjoy, whether or not there's a sex scene or whatever, um, am I getting drawn in uh, to believing something that God tells me is not true. Mm. Um, and maybe instead of defending our TV shows and saying, oh, but it's not that bad, um, maybe we should start questioning the stories the world presents about what they tell us to value mm. um, and to be honest about the impact on our hearts. Am I being tempted to question what God says is good? Um, the point's not to just be like, here are some more boundaries and rules, um, but we're trying to think, what do, we, what do I love? And... Uh, I don't want to just be a sponge kind of absorbing every message from the world with no idea what's shaping my heart. I want to ask myself, am I uh, filling my heart with what God loves and letting that shape how I see the world and what I love? Mm. 
Oh, I love that. And you've just put, you've just twisted the knife, I reckon, into most of the people <laughs> listening as we think about um, <laughs> what are we watching and what is the story where, where, where ingesting. I heard someone say once that the best kind of neighbours and the best kind of people make the worst kind of TV personalities. Um, <laughs> boring, kind, genuine care very rarely turns up in Hollywood. Um, and neither does faithfulness and neither, neither does total worship. Um, that's really, really helpful, Candice. And so I think hopefully now we're all feeling the challenge and we need to. But just like last week, um, we ought to hear relief as well from these verses. I don't know if you heard it yet, though, but we need to feel comfort. You see, not only does God hate unfaithfulness, and that really matters, it really matters, but God hates unfaithfulness and actually it's really wonderful that he does. Why? Well, because first of all, that's what God is like. God hates unfaithfulness because he is always faithful. You're seeing your screen right now. Candice and I are trying to think of how do we summarize this until it's kind of a big idea. It's that unfaithfulness stinks, but God's is a better, more beautiful way. And see, that's the point of the passage. Because of what God is like, because he's always faithful, God hates unfaithfulness. It reminds me of what I think is one of the most beautiful little YouTube clips I've ever seen. And there'll be a slide for this now too, Dan. Uh, it's the story of Len and Gladys. And if you've seen it, it is absolutely wonderful on their 50th wedding anniversary. And the story is that she is ruined by the awful effects of Alzheimer's. And the story shows him doing everything for her. And it's full of these scenes of him caring and feeding and cleaning and combing. And, and, and he even builds this bike, you know, so he can ride her around and so she can see all the places she loves. And, and as you watch this, you think, how does he do it? Day after day after day, even at his age, how does he keep on faithfully loving this wife of his youth? And do you know what he says? He says, I don't count it a burden. I count it a privilege to care for this woman I've loved all these years. And why? Len goes on, and this is what he says. God has loved us so unconditionally. And he has put his love in my heart. And because I understand how much God has loved me, that's how I intend to love my lovely wife. She's my princess, he says. I'm her William. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And I want you to see that's what God does. That's how he loves. With an always faithful love. In fact, even better than Len for Gladys at even greater cost. Even when we were at our worst. When it would cost his son, God set his love on us. He kept his love on us. He is a faithful, faithful God, and he always will. And don't you think that's wonderful? I love that God hates unfaithfulness because he is so very faithful. And God hates unfaithfulness because that's what's best for us. Do you see? Why? Well, just as Christina said at the start, and Candace and I have been trying to summarize, because it stinks. Unfaithfulness stinks. And it scars. And it hurts. And you know this. And it doesn't help anyone to say that that's not true. 
And so God won't. Instead, here in his word, he tells us how it is. And then he calls us, do you see, for a better, more beautiful way. To his way of faithfulness to each other, to his way of faithfulness to him. Great author C.S. Lewis so wisely put it like this, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. And do you see, God says you won't. And so stop being so unfaithful. God says you can't. So stop being so unfaithful. Instead, come to me completely. Stay with me completely. And isn't that a wonderful word? When that is the best for us? Isn't that a wonderful comfort? In a world that is full of so much unfaithfulness, and I know you've experienced yourself. Well, if you think the answer is yes, I wonder if you'd like to say that also in the chat. God's is a better, more beautiful way because his is the way of faithfulness. And I want you to hear the comfort. And as you do, one last time, Candice, again, I know you've been reflecting on the positive side of this too, uh, the comfort of these verses. I wonder, again, could you tell us, what, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Mm. Um, well, despite what culture says, uh, it's really, it is really comforting, isn't it? God's love of faithfulness and his faithfulness and his hatred of unfaithfulness. It's really, um, really comforting. Um, and in my own life, like you said, um, I've felt that. And when I've sat and listened to people in their terrible pain because of the unfaithfulness of others, um, it's just really obvious what you said. There's no comfort in being in saying, like, it's not that bad, look on the bright side, uh, that doesn't help. Um, but there is comfort in truth, and even when it's hard truth, um, when we're in the wrong. Mm. Um, acknowledging that it's bad um, helps more than saying that it doesn't matter uh, because the pain of it proves that it does matter. It yeah. shows us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I was thinking about this, the... I think that that parallel that you've kind of brought our attention to in this passage um, about human relationships and our relationship with God is quite fascinating um, in my own life. And I see it in other people as I talk to them as well. We talk about relationships and pains and hurts and we talk about our relationship with God. Um, and there's a sense where um, sometimes I, we, uh, we project what people are like onto God and expect him to be like the people who hurt us uh, and that's scary because um, people can be mean and so like it's scary to think that if if you think that God is like that that would be a scary thing mm. um, but God is so much better as you've said um, a few years back um, I was in quite a tricky place a bad place in a relationship with someone because I had let them down and in their hurt um, they had pushed me away um, and so it was painful on two counts, like my own guilt, um, but also the rejection that followed and the difficulty of finding reconciliation. Um, and it hurt because the relationship matters. Um, and after a while, I realized that it was actually affecting how I thought about God's forgiveness. Mm. Um, I was thinking about God with this kind of doubtful fear um, that I wouldn't be forgiven or I wasn't forgiven. Um, like I had to make things up all the time that I couldn't 
like it made me realize you, you can't fix it sometimes when you've, when you've yes. messed up. Yeah. Um, and to think that I've let God down far more badly than I have other people. Um, and yet uh, God is not like humans who fail. He's not like me who failed. And he's not like um, other humans who fail um, or are weak or unfaithful. Um, and as I was kind of wrestling with all of that, I stumbled across a passage. Um, I think it was in Micah rather than Malachi, but uh, um, it reminded me that God is not like us, that mm. he, um, yeah, he welcomes us back. He forgives us. Uh, it's so freeing and safe. You can confess your sin and not be crushed because of his faithfulness to you in Jesus. He's committed himself to you in Jesus. Um yeah, and it, and it also works in the other direction. I think it's a great comfort when, when I'm the one who's been hurt um, to know that God will not be like the people who've let me down or have let us down, yes. um, people who've acted like we don't matter, like our relationship doesn't matter, um, to know that God is, he loves faithfulness because he is faithful mm. um, means that uh, if I'm ever projecting my bad experience of relationship onto him i need to remember that it's that's not what god is like um, you know you've been saying he hates unfaithfulness mm. um, and i really love how this means that he he sees and cares about the injustice and pain of unfaithfulness and he knows it when it's happened to us uh, from someone else um, like i was really struck even even in this passage by the way that he speaks about the abandoned wife like he has this real mm gentleness and compassion i think in seeing the injustice done in a situation like divorce mm. um and it's good uh, that god will judge the horrible ways that people treat each other and it's good that he hates evil um and if you've ever been mistreated you know that's a good thing um or if you've sat with someone who's who has been mistreated and felt even just a bit of what it feels like mm. um and so you know this is a really um, somber passage and it has quite an angry tone and yet it's still comforting because it, it valid, validates the pain of unfaithfulness and brings comfort uh, to, to any of us who know what it's like to be oppressed or hurt by someone's sin. Yeah, that's really helpful. I, I think that's a right point. Um, we want God to hate hateful things and unfaithfulness is awful and we're not foolish for feeling so pained by it. And yet at the same time in the passage, we see that God is such a wonderful, faithful God. And so he brings comfort to us in both those ways. It validates our pain, and yet it shows us that he has for us a better, more beautiful way, and it's found within himself. Thanks very much, Kenneth. That's really, that's really fantastic. Well, as we close, it's, it's time to close. You might have more um, questions to ask. I hope you do. You can come to the Q&A, send them to Tim. We'd love to ask your questions. This is what we need to hear from Malachi 2, just these seven verses, that God hates unfaithfulness and that both really, really matters and is actually really, really wonderful. As we've seen, it does justice to the pain we feel and it holds out to us a better, more beautiful way from a better, more beautiful, always faithful God. Let's pray we'd follow this God, shall we? Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the things you love, the things you hate. Um, we know it's right that you hate unfaithfulness. Father, we feel the challenge. Please, would you root out of us any unfaithfulness in us? To one another, yes, uh, but especially towards you. 
we pray, Father, that you alone would occupy the chief place of our hearts and you would be our one God, one Father that we would serve. And then flying from there, Heavenly Father, we pray you'd keep teaching us faithfulness to one another, especially in marriage. For those of us who are or will be married, we pray that we would always be faithful to the wife of our youth, the husband of our youth. We pray these things for Jesus' honour and glory. Amen.